Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture reading is from the book of Psalms, and today we're in Psalm 106, verse 1, which says, Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What a tremendous text, talking about how God is so good. God loves us, cares for us, meets our needs, draws us close to himself, goes before us and opens doors. He blesses us, but the greatest blessing of all is the fact that we've been redeemed by his precious blood. And because of that, when we have a relationship with him, our sins are forgiven and the slate is wiped clean and we're made pure and holy. And it goes on to say, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. We will have relationship with him throughout eternity. We will be in his presence. We will be with our loved ones who are believers in Christ. And we'll have a wonderful, wonderful time together throughout eternity. What great promises that God has given to us. And God is certainly It's a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studios some wonderful missionaries uh, from India. They've been with Global Outreach Mission over 18 years. We have Asher and Miriam. Their son Sam are in our studio today. And Miriam has uh, quite a quite a ministry with sewing machines, but I think Asher is the one that's going to tell us about it because he speaks English a little bit better. So Asher, why don't you tell us about how the sewing machine ministry got started by uh, Miriam there? As we carry on the gospel preaching, we have seen the destitute women, especially from Dalit and Gypsy villages, they are more of workaholic, looking for the daily wages work. And we came with a plan and we prayed to God uh, if we can open uh, sewing centers for these destitute ladies. We announced it in a particular village that we are going to have a sewing center, free sewing center for the ladies. And uh, there was 15 ladies uh, we recruited and every day, three hours, Miriam uh, given training to them. 
uh, during which time she also was able to preach the gospel to them. And we announced to them that uh, by faith we will give each lady a sewing machine, end of the program. And we were able to do it. Uh, uh, the Global Outreach Mission Office have sent uh, 15 machines uh, support. We bought those machines and we have given them with a certificate. We have seen to come of that a great testimony went into that region. Uh, in the in their in-laws families, they were able to be a testimony where that was a downtrodden people. They those who need to work as a daily work, daily wages workers. But uh, here is the the lady sitting with a sewing machine and stitching the clothes for others and getting earning okay, to live on. And that I uh, have given a boasting in that particular lady's life where they can have a good reputation in the in-laws family. And especially the girls, the ladies were able to earn a little bit through, through the sewing centers and uh, they got the sewing machine and they, they came to know the Lord Jesus as their personal savior. Through the centers, we mean to say it is a, a great ministry to reach out these destitute women with the gospel through the way of sewing centers. And you were also sharing with me that um, even single ladies who go through this program and upon graduation get their sewing machine are able to have a, a better marriage. They were able to uh, leverage the fact that they have skills which uh, would reduce the dowry that uh, their family might have to pay and also allows them the fact that they could marry someone maybe in a higher caste because they have uh, skills. And so it helps them economically in the future. But the greatest thing about this is that the people that come through the, the sewing centers not only get some skills, but they find the Lord Jesus and they become witnesses for him. Yeah. We right now, Miriam also holding the uh, sewing center. And after we go to India, we may have to give sewing machines, about 12 machines we needed. In the month of June, we pray that uh, the Lord may provide so that we can give to them and bless them with the sewing machine. Yeah, and I think the sewing machines only cost about $75. Is that not correct? Yes. Yeah, and so we can uh, purchase them and uh, help these poor ladies work their way out of poverty. It's a real blessing to be able to do that and share the gospel at the same time. And God has uh, blessed this this ministry in a mighty way, and I'm so thankful for the for the privilege that Global had to help supply some of these sewing machines. So the Lord bless you, and uh, we thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you are aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we continue to need your continuing support and prayers. It's the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, and Lord has been so faithful to us over the years. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by G June Hunt entitled Hope, and I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, hope is the anchor of your soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement.
You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, what distinguishes faith from hope, how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment, and how to reach out to those contemplating suicide. All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, please write to Kaz National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support. Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson and is entitled, Triumph Over Trouble. I know that we all need this message. Printed copies are available upon request. A man was asked how he managed to live in such a state of tranquility even though he was surrounded by adverse circumstances. His reply was profound, yet simple. He said, I have learned to cooperate with the inevitable. Does it surprise you that trouble is a part of life? 
Well, probably not. We all know trouble close up and personal. Bad health, empty bank account, blighted love, grief, loss of a job, the list goes on. It shouldn't surprise us, therefore, that God permits added trials of being ridiculed and hated because we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But trouble, whether it's common to man or unique to Christians, can reveal to us the moral fiber of our soul. Someone has written, I've never seen a golf course without hazards. They are part of the game. Golfers speak of the courses with the most hazards as the most challenging, and they'll travel a long way to test their skill against the most demanding 18 holes. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, If I had a formula for bypassing trouble, I wouldn't pass it around. I wouldn't be doing anyone a favor. Trouble creates a capacity to handle it. Meet it as a friend, for you'll see a lot of it, and you had better be on speaking terms with it. That is trouble. Think it not strange, then, when trouble comes. God is going to use it to test the, ta- the stamina, of your, stamina of your life and mine. The best way to handle trouble is to commit your soul unto him in faithfulness to a faithful creator. You see, great triumphs are born out of great troubles. Today, I want to study with you Psalm 142, a wonderful psalm of David when he was in a cave running for his life, hiding out from those who were seeking to destroy him. If you can and have access to a Bible, open up to Psalm 142. If not, just listen as I read it and notice in the second verse two particular words. Psalm 142. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him, and here are the two words, my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I have walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. I look on my right hand, and behold, there's no man who would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Did you notice those two words in the second verse? Let me underscore them again. David speaks about my trouble. There was a wonderful preacher in London, England many years ago. His name was Dr. Joseph Parker, and he said this, No preacher will ever lack a congregation if he preaches to troubled hearts. And of course he was right. For when we address our words to troubled hearts, we're sure that we're speaking to everyone because you see everyone sooner or later experiences trouble and trial. And here in Psalm 142, we find even the writer David, a man after God's own heart, in great trouble. The whole psalm teaches us how to be triumphant in trouble, not how to escape trouble or be free from it, but how to glorify God in the midst of trouble and how to prove that God is greater than any trouble we might ever encounter, that God is faithful in delivering us in the time of trouble. 
Now, I want to talk with you about two things in this psalm. First, the reality of trouble, and secondly, our reaction to trouble. You see, life is 20% the reality of trouble, and 80% our reaction to the trouble. Now, notice the reality of trouble. The Bible says in Job 5-7, man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. David is talking about his trouble. It's a time when he was a fugitive. His fortunes were at their lowest ebb. His reputation had gone, and he was an outcast. And we don't know exactly what the trouble was to which he referred. This is helpful because it enables us to fit our own trouble into this picture. But we do know that he was in a cave when he wrote this. Now, the reality of trouble, David speaks about it in three ways. First of all, he tells us he was in big trouble. Secondly, he tells us it involved bad people. And thirdly, he tells us there was bitter disappointment. Now, notice David's big trouble. David says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. I poured out my complaint. I showed him my trouble. Now, God knew about it, but he's just pouring it out before the Lord. He's, he's sharing it with God. That's great therapy, my friend. He said, my spirit was overwhelmed within me in verse 3. He says in verse 6, I was brought, or I am brought, very low. He says, my persecutors, they're stronger than me. He says, my soul is in prison. You see, David says, I'm overwhelmed. And the word overwhelmed really means wrapped about. If you're in the midst of fog or in a great smoke, say, from a bonfire that's billowing up, it seems to wrap you about. It, it engulfs you. And David says that this trouble brought him very low as it engulfed him and wrapped around him. This indicates a process. He went lower and lower until he felt he had touched bottom. How big was David's trouble? Now, perhaps I'm talking to someone listening now who is in the midst of an overwhelming experience at this time. You are literally enveloped, wrapped about with trouble. You're in big trouble, and you feel like you're in prison. Maybe some of you listening are in prison. But notice David speaks not only of big trouble, he speaks about bad people. He tells us that people had contributed to his trouble. Notice he says in verse 3 that his enemies had set a snare for him. They had set a trap for him. In verse 6, he refers to them as his persecutors. Now, it's bad enough to be overwhelmed with trouble, but it's doubly bad to have trouble brought upon us through the disloyalty, the malice of others, of people, sometimes even so-called friends. That's the kind of thing that is happening to David here. One man said, I love the world. It's people I don't like. Well, we kind of smile at that, but we all have to deal with people. And there are some bad people in the world who set traps for you, who lie about you, who gossip about you, who stab you in the back, as it were. Is this happening to you? And then thirdly, David not only talks about big trouble and bad people, he talks about bitter disappointment. Listen to what he says in verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. This must have been the hardest part of all. It is a tremendous help when we are in the midst of trouble 
and we know that loved ones and friends and others understand the difficulties and come to our aid in our situation. But David felt that no one understood, no one cared, and no one was there to help. Now, even though no one, no human was there, the Lord was certainly there. And David realizes that because he's talking to the Lord. I remember what Paul said when he wrote to Timothy from his last prison when he went to his martyrdom, and he said in 2 Timothy 4.17, at my last defense, no man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me and protected me and helped me. So it is, we know the Lord will stand with us. Now, it's important for us to notice what David did when he was in great trouble and how he reacted, because as I mentioned, trouble is 20% of what happens and 80% of how we react to it. When trouble comes, it's important how we react. Well, we move from the reality of trouble then to the reaction of trouble. How did David react? Well, there are some things that David did not, did not do when he was overwhelmed with trouble. Well, first of all, he didn't brood over his trouble or do nothing about it. Now, this is important because sometimes we get depressed, distressed, and, and we just give up. We give in. We quit. We become inactive. We do nothing at all about it. This is fatal. Secondly, he did not indulge in self-pity. He didn't have a pity party. And it doesn't seem to be any indication that David really felt very sorry for himself. Even as we read this psalm, he didn't wallow in self-pity. And thirdly, he didn't become bitter and rebellious. He didn't question God's love and wisdom and providence. He didn't become hard and critical and ill because of his trouble. And then fourthly, he didn't worry uh, others with his trouble to the extent of overburdening them. And what did David do when his trouble overwhelmed him? Well, he did three things. He prayed, he pondered, and he praised. Those are three things we should always do when trouble is upon us. First of all, he prayed. He brought his trouble before the Lord in prayer. Verses 1 and 2 make this quite clear. David prayed. He, he, he says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. And I love what he says in verse 2. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. He just told the Lord all about it. He just let it all hang out, and he told the Lord all about it. How wonderful. You see, God is a refuge for us in time of trouble. And so we realize that the first thing we ought to do is pray. And then the second thing he did was he pondered. You see, his faith and trust in God was deepened as he began to think of how faithful God is and the fact that God would never let him down. In verse 3, he tells us that he is confident that God knew his path. He says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. He says, you know all that's happening. You know all that's going on. You know this trouble, and you know those who are causing it. You see, the Lord knows all about you and me. He knows all about your trouble. He knows all that's happening and all those who are causing your trouble. David wrote in another psalm, Psalm 34, verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And David was filled with hope and began to praise God. He says, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. Thou shalt deal bountifully with me. And he began to praise. Ah, oh, how triumphant he was in trouble. He prayed. He pondered and realized how faithful and great and good God is. You think about that, my friend. Ponder that, and you'll soon begin to praise him, saying, Lord, just as you delivered me before, just as you've been faithful in the past, so you will be faithful in delivering me again. 
no matter what my trouble is. In an article for Campus Life magazine, Susan Smart describes her third and nearly last solo flight in an airplane. She had been practicing a maneuver at 5,000 feet when she lost control and her Cessna 150 began spinning wildly toward Earth. After several seconds of panic, she recalled her instructor's words, if you ever get into a spin in a Cessna 150, let go of the controls. It's built to fly on its own. Susan shouted to herself several times, let go. Finally, she yanked her hands from the controls and covered her face. After some wild yawing and pitching, the plane returned to level flight. She had fallen more than half a mile, but she survived because she had the faith to let go. Her experience vividly illustrates what it means to trust God in a time of trouble. I know it's hard to do when it feels as if everything in our lives is spinning wildly out of control. Our feelings cry out for us to panic, to doubt His promises, to ignore or disobey His instructions, and to try to solve things without Him. But those responses are futile. In Psalm 142, David cried out to the Lord in his time of trouble. He pondered God's faithfulness, and he began to praise the Lord. He knew that his only hope was to put his situation, his trouble, totally in God's hands and rely on him. Is your life in a spin today? Let go of the controls. The best way to handle a problem is to hand it over to God. Let go and let God. Now, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, come to Him with the biggest trouble you have, your sin, and invite Him to come in and cleanse you and forgive you and change you. And if you have done that, and you're in trouble today as a Christian, remember to let go and let God. For He who promised is faithful. And even if we believe not, He is faithful. He cannot deny himself. Oh, what a great God. And just as he brought David out of the trouble, he'll bring you out of the trouble. Just let go and let God. I trust that the message you just heard is a real blessing to you and will encourage you in your faith want to minister to the Christian community through good Bible studies and good preaching, but we also have a concern for those who may not know Jesus Christ personally. And so I always like to share the gospel at the end of the broadcast. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death. That's eternal damnation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You have to realize you're a sinner. You realize that you have broken God's laws. And it only takes one sin to disqualify you from being into his presence because he's a totally 100% pure God. And so God had to provide a way for us because none of us knew anyway. We can't do enough works. There's no way to get back to God. There's no way to pay off our sin because we've offended the most high God. And Jesus bore your sins in his own body alone on that tree, on that cross. And because of that sacrifice that he made, he died and he rose again on the third day and he's alive and well and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit accepted that sacrifice and because of that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ Jesus said I'm the way the truth and life no man comes to the Father but through me so the only way to get to God is through Jesus and you need to ask him to come in your life you need to confess your sins and ask him to become part of your life and he will this month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by G June Hunt, 
entitled Hope, and I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, hope is the anchor of your soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement. You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, what distinguishes faith from hope, how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment, and how to reach out to those contemplating suicide. All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, please write to Cas National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support.